Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 20, which is brought to you by Text Expander and SaneBox. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host Federico Vatici. How's it going, Federico? I'm well, Ryan. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Um, you know, today we're going to talk about something that I'm pretty excited about. There's been mm. a report, a rumor, whatever you want to call it, in the last couple of weeks regarding the iPad and a trackpad coming to the iPad, which is something that honestly was really surprising to me. Um, I don't know about you, but we'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, though, wanted to share a little bit of follow-up with regards to the challenge from last episode. Oh, okay. So last time, you challenged me to te- uh, test all these you know, text editing apps with large text files. And <laughs> what I came up with wasn't very encouraging, which is that I couldn't find a single app that would manage the <laughs> six gig or six megabyte uh, text file that I was using without you know large delays. It, it just nothing was really workable. And so I had several developers of those apps reach out just asking for the text file in question so they could see kind of what's going on behind the scenes and do their own tests. And I'm, I'm really thankful to all those developers for that and just, you know, shows the, the heart of the development community to always kind of make their apps better. It's fantastic. Well, what one of them discovered, so the developer of Textastic tried out um, the file I sent him and he recognized that what seemed like the primary source of issues for his app, at least, um, was that the file I was using was a single line that I had just copy-pasted text over and over and over and over again without line breaks, without paragraph breaks, which I hadn't really given much thought to that and how that might potentially impact the performance in apps, but apparently it does. (laughs) So um, he added some breaks in there, and then I kind of did my own tests with adding some different line breaks throughout the document. And the document was still just as long, but I tested it with all the apps over again. And uh, I also tried, I know last time we talked about BBEdit on the Mac, I tried that um, before adding the line breaks. And BBEdit, at first, it struggled because by default, I guess BBEdit um, keeps everything on a single line. It doesn't wrap the text at all. And so that was causing some major delays. If you can imagine, you know, 1.2 million words on a single line. Um, but then when I turned text wrapping on, it worked fine. And so BB Edit did pretty well. But in retesting all these different iPad apps, I found that lots of them, um, adding those line breaks solved the issue. Not all of them. Um, so some of the ones that did particularly well were Ulysses, Codex, Coda, and then Textastic, which that's the developer, one of the developers that had reached out. And then also surprisingly, um, Apple's Pages app, just adding those line breaks in and then opening the text file, which it automatically converted to a Pages document. Um, it did really well with that new document. And so all these apps um, handled editing just fine. Um, there were maybe some very minor delays in a couple cases, but overall it was definitely workable. It was usable. And so that was really nice to see that you can work with larger text documents um, on the iPad. And, you know, obviously my initial text test uh, file was not you know reflective of what a normal document would be. I was just trying to make something super long. And most of the time you're going to have some line breaks in there. 
So that was encouraging. There were, again, though, a few apps that still didn't do well. And so I'm not sure what the issues are there, but um, hopefully most people don't have to work with files that are quite like that. So anyways, I wanted to follow up on that because there's some good news that you can do some text editing on the iPad with really large files. Just make sure there's some line breaks in there. Now, let's move on to mm-hmm. our topic for today. Uh, yes. There was this report from The Information, which is a pretty solid source as far as you know, potential rumor sources go. Um, Wayne Ma wrote in the last couple of weeks about the fact that Apple is working on a new keyboard for the iPad that has a trackpad on it, which... Like I said, that that news really surprised me um, because, I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons why, but but <laughs> I mean, Apple has always, even though with the iPad Pro, they kind of are, you know, pushing a little bit the the lines between the iPad and the Mac because now you've got this smart keyboard folio you can attach to your iPad, and so you've got a keyboard that's there all the time, kind of like a Mac, but a trackpad is seems like an even bigger leap forward with regards to kind of modeling some of the things that happen on the Mac. So, so we're going to talk about this. Um, I wanted to ask, first of all, when you saw this mm. report, what was just your initial reaction to it? Hmm. Well, of course I was surprised. And I guess my initial reaction was that they were maybe finally listening to the, to the community. So that was my first reaction. I think especially in the past couple of years we've seen we've seen a lot of people i mean including me but also others i think we've seen a lot of ipad users uh sort of start pushing the ipad as this sort of hybrid computer that can work as a tablet but can also replace a laptop and i think that that transition has started accelerating with ios 11 but especially over the past two years, the combination of the bridge keyboard and other accessories like that, uh, you know, like external keyboards and iPad stands, but also iPadOS last year, I think that sort of the community started rallying around this single idea of the iPad Pro as a hybrid computer. And last year was also important because Apple seemed to recognize that um, those sort of needs, and and even though it was an accessibility feature, the ability to use a mouse, an external mouse or pointing device on iPadOS and have some kind of cursor, I think it was an, an important acknowledgement of the community. And of course, last year when, when the accessibility uh, assistive touch feature came out, I noted, I noted in my iOS and iPadOS 13 review how it was only a first step. And it was, yes, an accessibility feature, but it was also the kind of feature that other people like me could use. And I think Apple must have been paying attention to the kinds of hardware and accessories and sort of modifications that people use on their iPad, on their iPad Pros. And I think uh, there's a, a parallel here between Apple that listens to the Pro Mac community and tries to understand what are the needs of customers that want to, bra- to purchase a pro machine from us. 
and the same Apple that maybe is listening to the pro iPad community and is trying to understand what are people purchasing here because they want to improve their workflows on the iPad Pro. And is there anything that we could do so that those people do not go to third parties but have an official solution coming from us so that the experience as a whole is more integrated, is easier to use, and is more powerful? And I think, or at least I guess I want to believe, especially now that we have this first report, I want to believe that we are going to see that kind of initiative from Apple this year. So that was my first reaction. Maybe they are listening, just like they listen to the to the pro Mac users, maybe they are listening to the pro iPad users and we're going to get a keyboard with a trackpad and we're also maybe going to get new pro software from Apple. So my first reaction was, considering all these things, I want to believe this because maybe they are listening and potentially this is great news for the entire community. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm really excited about this. It just was something that I wasn't expecting because I, I kind of felt like last year with adding the feature in accessibility for you know supporting pointing devices, I felt like that was Apple saying, okay, those of you who really, really want this, we're going to give it to you and it'll work okay, but we're not going to mm-hmm. necessarily change you know how we think the iPad should be used. The kind of the uh, giving an endorsement to using a pointing device. Um, it was more like, okay, here's this option for those of you who want it. And so this means, at least in my mind, um, and I guess people could disagree on that, but if, if Apple really is putting a trackpad on the next version of the smart keyboard, or maybe like a smart keyboard pro that's coming out in the future, then I would think they would have to build more support in the system for pointing devices beyond just the accessibility feature that's there now. Which, again, that's an open question, and I have heard, uh, since this rumor came out, uh, a number of different ideas from people regarding what they think Apple will do, because, you know, if, if they are adding a trackpad, which is, that's, that's what the report says, we, it's a good source that seems likely, and I think you had a great point, that Apple does have this pro workflow team, which they have said is not just for the Mac, it's for iPad too. Mm-hmm. So... There's going to be a trackpad, but what will that trackpad be for? Um, There's been ideas thrown around about maybe it's just for text selection, you know, just controlling the cursor in apps that involve text. Um, Maybe it's just a better way to use the current, you know, assistive touch uh, accessibility features. Uh, Or maybe they're going to, you know, give you true, you know, first class control over everything in the UI the way that kind of you would expect or hope and uh my my take is they have to do the latter um i'd be really like i said i'd definitely be surprised i'd be shocked if they shipped a keyboard with a trackpad and just said okay use the accessibility feature i i don't think that's going to happen um the idea of just using text selection I also don't think it's going to happen because, and I, I heard a really good argument uh, the other day from Jason Snell on Upgrade, who was saying, well, the story could kind of be that, you know, if, you, if you're going to buy a smart keyboard in the first place, then obviously you do a decent amount of text editing on your iPad. And so you are the exact user that would want a, you know, cursor control via a trackpad. But I still feel like that's, that that's not enough. Um, mm-hmm. 
it would be a big letdown to me. Even though I would I would definitely enjoy the feature, I would still use it. I would still buy that keyboard if it was just for text selection because I'm a writer. I write a lot. But for most people, I, I would be really surprised and I would be disappointed personally if there wasn't more that could be done, if there weren't things that changed within iPadOS to optimize for the cursor so that you could do anything with that trackpad that you can do with your fingers right now. So um, what do you think? What, where do you see Apple going with this? Yeah, I, I also find it hard to believe that Apple may release a trackpad on the smart keyboard that only works in text fields. If only because I think Apple tends to be kind of conservative with their physical changes to, to accessories. I mean, you look at the smart cover, which is now called the smart folio, and you cannot see... I mean, the, there are differences between the original version of the smart cover, but it's really been an, an iterative sort of a improvement over the years. And I think the moment that Apple decides they're going to sacrifice or invest in such a premium space as a smart keyboard to put a trackpad, like a physical trackpad in there, I really think it would be it would be counterproductive to them to just to say, well, we're going to have to change the whole design of the whole thing to put this trackpad in, but it only works in tax fields. Because that feels like a waste of space for such an important accessory of the iPad Pro family. But also it creates confusion, I think, in, in users. The moment that you get used to having a trackpad and not touching the screen, having to shuffle back and forth between two different interaction methods. So when you're editing text, you can have a trackpad, but when you're not, you have to touch the screen. That will feel counterintuitive to me in a way that the trackpad mo mode for the software keyboard isn't. Because when you're using the software keyboard and you place down two fingers on the screen to have a trackpad, you're still touching the screen. So th the interaction method is still consistent later when you want to navigate the home screen, when you want to use apps, you're still touching the screen. But here we will be talking about editing text, not touching the screen anymore because you have a trackpad for text fields. Later, when you're not editing text, you got to change your interaction method again. So you're using the keyboard, but also you need to touch the screen. So that inconsistency and that confusion is what leads me to believe it'll be a full trackpad in the sense that it will do text editing, but it will also support interaction with the UI. Now, this is a complicated <laughs> thing to do because the iPad US, uh, the iPadOS UI, UI kit in general, it is not built for external pointing devices. The current uh, system based on assistive touch that we have, that is essentially rep replicating your finger on screen. Yes, you see a cursor that moves around, unlike a finger which only touches the screen, but it doesn't support any of the common interactions of a cursor on the desktop. Uh, one of them being the idea of hovering over a UI element. On macOS, for example, if you hover with, with a cursor over a button, you got a tooltip. Uh, like, for example, I'm hovering over the photo button in the notes app and it says there's a tooltip there's a rectangle with a message that says open the photo browser 
And that happens because the system knows that the cursor is waiting on top of that button. And we, iPadOS UIKit lacks that kind of idea of hover state on top of a UI element. Uh, UIKit was built for touch, and so far it only understands touch. Now, Apple may um, roll out a trackpad saying, for now, um, if you're a third-party developer, you effectively get the same system that works with assistive touch, in the sense that unless you update your apps to take advantage of this new API, uh, the trackpad will only support touches, so touch events. And I would not be surprised if Apple goes down this road of saying, our apps and the entire system has been updated for hover states. So in Mail, in Safari, in Notes, on the home screen, you will get new interactions if you hover with the cursor over a UI element because we've done the work already. And if you're a third-party developer, you can now adopt these technologies to do something else. And of course, the cursor will work in, in scroll views so that maybe you will be able to um, to you know, uh, use two fingers to scroll a page and all those default interactions will be supported. But if you're a third-party developer, you will have to adopt a new API that is so far unreleased, of course. But that also creates another complication of, like, I have no idea how complex this work actually is for UIKit. Like, to, to fully update UIKit for support for hover state and other kinds of external inputs. That seems to me like a lot of work. And that seems to me like the kind of thing that Apple would typically announce at WWDC, not at a spring event. Although, you know, there are precedents of major new features just being rolled out as uh, with a, like a, a tech session on the, on the Apple developer website. So that could be possible. Um, Another thing that, that, that is worth considering, I think, and that we're maybe not talking about enough, is will this trackpad be a multi-touch trackpad in the sense that will it let you perform uh, multi-touch gestures? So like three-finger, four-finger, five-finger swipes. Now, I don't think it'll be a large trackpad, physically speaking. I don't think it'll be like a MacBook-sized giant trackpad. I think it'll be a small one. And I feel like it'll be modeled after the the design of the Microsoft Surface cover. And if that's the case, it may be difficult to, to have a small trackpad that supports four-finger swipes, maybe three-finger swipes. Not sure about four and five. Um, ideally, I would like to have a trackpad that lets me do scrolling, touching, tapping, double tapping, but also some kind of multitasking control. So maybe three finger swipes to move between apps, maybe a three finger swipe up to reveal expose or multitasking, you know. It's very difficult because we're talking about such a compact device, right? The smart keyboard. And so either you go with a small trackpad and you support limited interactions, which still require UIKit to be updated, or you completely change the design and footprint of the smart keyboard, offer a giant trackpad with full support for multi-touch gestures, which 
again, will require a complete rethinking of the smart keyboard. It would be awesome, but also introduce additional complications for developers who may want to support this new multi-touch system. So it's no matter how you look at it, whether it's a small trackpad or a big one, it feels to me like Apple doesn't want to go the text editing only route. They want to offer full control from the trackpad. But in any case, no matter the physical size of the trackpad, it's going to be difficult because it's going to introduce new complications and considerations for developers. Like, what does it mean for a touch-only UI to now support hover states? What does it mean when you're switching from a touch target, like a, like a button in UIKit, that was designed to be 44 points in size because that's the typical size of the you know the human finger that was decided back in the days of the iPhone with the original Apple human interface guidelines what does it mean when you're when the UI is not accepting touches anymore but is now now supports a cursor does it mean that we get like a resizable UI that can change its dimensions depending on whether a trackpad is being used or not like those are major considerations and maybe we're overthinking this like this is why i wanted to have this sort of casual conversation with you because maybe we are overthinking this maybe it'll just be a trackpad and the apple will say look there's some new apis our apps and the system are already working with them if you're a third-party developer there's a new document there's new documentation app on the apple developer website right now for you today go check it out and start adopting the trackpad in your apps. Maybe that's what it'll be. But I'm curious, Ryan, what do you think of the like uh, the design perspective of the trackpad? Like um, big one, small one, multi-touch gestures, yes or no? I definitely don't think it's going to be as big as what's on the Mac. Um, I mean, m- lots of people consider the one on the Mac oversized as it is. And so I don't think we need one that big. And sometimes it can even get in the way uh, where you, you know, accidentally... Um, you know, swipe something or whatever because it just takes up so much of the space uh, where your wrist might be resting. So I definitely don't think it needs to be that big. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't want it too terribly small. Apple's going to have to do something with the design of the smart keyboard folio. Um, you know, the original one, the original smart keyboard, it had this kind of funky like fold-out design, which <laughs> took a little took a little time to master and um with the smart keyboard folio they came out with the 2018 ipad pros it's much simpler there's no weird folding required but they might have to go back to that design in order to fit uh, a trackpad on there i don't know um so i would expect it to be maybe you know not too small but but not as big as the mac and i would think there would be some type of gestures um again like you said probably not too many but but a few and uh yeah, as far as what they do with software, it's I I I do think they're going to do something. So whether it is just okay, we we've adopted all these new APIs in our apps, and now third-party developers, you need to do some work. Or if they find a way to, you know, automatically uh, kind of change the system so that UIKit recognizes hover states um, without developers really needing to do much of anything, that would be fantastic um i'm sure it'd be a much bigger challenge potentially so really we'll have to we'll have to see on that and the timing of all this is really 
seems uncertain to me as well because I know that you know iPadOS 13.4, which is in beta testing right now, and which we are expecting, you know, depending on kind of how things go with coronavirus and all that, but we're expecting it to be released uh, by the end of this month, um, I, I believe. And so that has all this new keyboard functionality, which seems to kind of contribute to some narrative Apple would have regarding the iPad and a keyboard. And so because of all that, most people are assuming, oh yeah, the next iPad Pro is going to launch this spring alongside you know, iPadOS 13.4. There's going to be these new keyboard features, but then there's also going to be this brand new keyboard that has a trackpad on it. And I mean, I think that's possible for sure. I think that makes the most sense. But there's also all these reports about we may get two iPad Pros this year, one in the spring and one in the fall, which doesn't make too much sense because historically the iPad Pro has kind of been on an 18-month refresh cycle. And, you know, one idea is, well, in the fall, it's just going to be the same one but adding 5G. And that's certainly possible. But I don't know. There's there's just still a lot of question marks to me. Like, I I can't imagine Apple adding all these changes to UIKit to implement hover states and 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 add you know proper support for a trackpad um and doing that in 13.4 versus you know iPadOS 14 like that just seems like a a major change and mm-hmm. i can't imagine that would leave anything you know anything left that's really too significant to put in iPadOS 14 and so in some respects as far as the software cycle goes all of that makes more sense to me for a fall release uh, like if the iPad Pro with the keyboard with trackpad comes out in the fall. But then if that's the case, then why are they adding all this keyboard functionality in 13.4? So I'm really confused. And then again, with the coronavirus and how that's impacting um, production, it's it's all just up in the air. And it's up in the air for us. And I wonder how much of it's up in the air for Apple too, just as far as, you know, can they host an event with what's going on in the world right now? Um, can they produce enough of these devices? I mean, I'm sure they have a bit more information than we do um, looking, you know, inside from out here. But but there's just so much that that seems unknown at this point and that seems kind of up in the air regarding the timing of all this. So, yeah, I guess we'll find out at some point. It, it looks like this year, one way or another, we're going to find out. We're going to see what Apple does with the hardware and with the software. And um, I'm excited about all of that. Yes, I, I, I agree with all of that. And, and it's, you know, at, the, at this time of the year, with all the things that are happening, it's kind of strange for me to consider that we may have a new iPad within the next 20 days. It seems like everything else has been sort of... <laughs> cancelled so i don't know i i kind of you know i i would have liked to see an apple event but you know can can there be an apple event or maybe just press releases i don't know um what i would like to stress is that um i firmly believe in the idea of uh the ipad pro as a new kind of hybrid computer like this this idea of being able to switch between a tablet and a and a computer that you can use at your desk, you can use on your lap. 
that you can plug an external monitor into. And I think if, if a smart keyboard with a trackpad is a sign of Apple and the pro workflow team having listened to the community, I think that's a great thing for, for, for us because it shows how Apple is paying attention not just to the folks who are saying, uh, I'm a professional and I need to use an iMac Pro or a Mac Pro to get my work done, but is uh, is acknowledging the fact that there are also different kinds of professionals who are using an iPad Pro for video editing, for writing essays and novels, and and do professional photo editing. You know, all kinds of different tasks that also require a powerful touch-enabled computer. So, if if a trackpad on the smart keyboard is a sign of that acknowledgement, I would be really really happy but i want to see the 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 one two punch you know like the physical trackpad backed by software backed by software changes and maybe new apps from apple or you know additions to existing apps that really take advantage of this different um input system and so we'll see what happens but i I can I can tell you I haven't been this excited about a rumor in a while. So this sounds great to me. Okay. Well, we will keep an eye on the rumors and what's mm-hmm. going on and and yeah, I'm I'm excited too. Um we, we just got to wait. We got to be patient and uh yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh we need to talk about your challenge. Um but before mm. we do, let me thank our first sponsor. Uh, this episode of Adapt is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Save time typing and boost your productivity with Text Expander. Text Expander lets you instantly insert snippets of text as you type using a quick search or abbreviation. Create snippets for anything you type frequently. Uh, they can be simple, uh, like your phone number, or more complex, like customizable long forms with fill in fields and automatically calculated dates. Text Expander works everywhere you type without special plugins. Use it in email, word processors, spreadsheets, web apps and services, and much more. Businesses like yours use Text Expander every day to manage and share snippets with employees and keep the whole team on track. If you want to learn more about Text Expander, you can sign up for one of their free webinars, including Power Tools for Customer Support Professionals with Help Scout, which is coming up in March along with Text Expander beginner, advanced, and team webinars. You can sign up for all these webinars now at textexpander.com. If regularly typing out the same things is at all a part of your life, you could start saving yourself important time with Text Expander. Text Expander is available for Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, and Adapt listeners get 20% off their first year. Just go to textexpander.com podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. If you've been meaning to try Text Expander, check it out now. Textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Federico, I challenged you to find a new way of collaborating on text documents. You and I and John Voorhees, we use working copy to share our markdown documents that you know for drafts that we're working on for Mac stories, and they are saved into different uh, Git repositories. 
And uh, that system works well for us, but we've been using it for so long that I was wondering what else is out there. So what what are the different options that you explored? What are some some good potential options if we didn't have this working copy system that we're using right now? Well, let me tell you up front, Ryan, that this challenge did not go as I expected in the sense that the research that I did years ago and the reason why I settled on, on GitHub and working copy that really, to this day, is still the best solution from us because I did not find a suitable alternative that would allow us to keep track of changes to text documents the way that we are right now. So after having done this research, I'm sorry that I'm spoiling things up front, but I, I don't want to disappoint you at the end. Um, the system that we have now with Working Copy and, and GitHub is still the best one that we can use uh, when it comes to keeping track of changes to drafts instead of just collaborating on notes. Um, so we're still using the best system and uh, I've, been, I, I've explored some, um, some options out there. I am not fully <laughs> satisfied with... Uh, any of them, and I don't think they're gonna, I don't think they can work from, for us, for what we're looking for in, in terms of text documents. Now, uh, the obvious choice was Apple Notes, like the, the first obvious candidate to, to see how we work from a collaboration standpoint. And I do use, uh, I was using Notes already for uh, collaborating with John, especially. We have all kinds of like shared notes and documents that we that we share, that we collaborate on together. We also have some notes that we share with you, Ryan, for long-term projects for the website. And I mean, I, I can only say good things about collaboration in notes. It, re it rarely failed me. Um, there's the occasional like notification for editing changes, like when, when, when you get an alert that says, uh, Ryan edited uh, this note. And sometimes those notifications can be a little hit or miss, like maybe they are delayed or maybe they don't really show you any change. But overall, I think collaboration in Notes, it gets the basics right. It's integrated with the app. It takes advantage of CloudKit. There's a, um, a feature that you can enable in the sharing settings that, allow, that allows you to have highlights for uh, edits made by other people to a shared document. And really, by using uh, collaboration in notes, you take advantage of all the modern iOS technologies that are supported in notes. So dark mode, drag and drop, multi-window, dynamic text, uh, iPad multitasking, uh, all of those features the app gets for free. And as, I, as we will see here in this uh, segment of the show, uh, we shouldn't take these features for granted because a lot of developers just don't implement them. They don't care about them. So collaboration in notes, it works, it's reliable, it's fast, but it is not it's not like keeping track of multiple versions of a document with working copy. It is not a versioning system. And I think what I'm looking for when it comes to collaborating on text document is different from collaborating on notes. Uh, the text the markdown collaboration and the reason why I spent months years ago 
trying to settle on a workflow, on a solid system, was because I was looking for an actual versioning system for text, a system that would allow me to have diffs. So show me all the individual differences between multiple versions of a document. And that can only be done, it seems to me, with a, with a system like, like GitHub. And there are other GitHub clients on, on the App Store, but none of them is as well integrated with the system as working copy. And again, we, all go back, we always go back to, to this idea of what's the integration with the system, look, what does it look like in terms of multitasking, multi-window, dark mode, and, and all these other system features. Notes gets them right, but the experience of using notes is uh, not the same of collaborating on a text document. So I'm going to keep using notes, but I, this was actually also a challenge uh, a few episodes ago. Like, can you uh, write an article inside Apple Notes? Yes, I can, but it's not built for that. And so just like Apple Notes is not a text editor, Apple Notes is also, you know, when it comes to collaboration, is not uh, a versioning system. It's a, it's a place where you can collaborate on a note. A uh, bunch of listeners uh, recommended that I check out Workflowy. Now, Workflowy is a quite popular web-based outline service. So you can create outlines and lists. And what's really unique about Workflowy, a feature that I really, really like, I think it's genius, is that in an outline, each bullet can be its own page. So when you create an outline in Workflowy, each item, you can actually click on it and it, you navigate into a page for that individual item. It's sort of like Notion, where like in Notion, every element can be treated as its own page. And if you click on it, you are taken into a, a dedicated page for that item. Um, but it, of course, Workflowy has been around longer than Notion. Um, I think it, this is great for the, the workflow system is really, really good for structured information, for uh, you know, documents that require an outline, lists of things, like, for example, the show notes of a, of a podcast that we prepare. And I could really see myself using a product like uh, Workflow for podcast show notes or other types of outlines. It is really, it's really simple. It's, the UI is kept to a minimum. It's literally just a page with some basic formatting controls. You can have a wiki style links that point to other documents or pages. Uh, you can tag elements. Um, it's got a web app. It's got an iPhone app. It's got an iPad app that supports split view and slide over. And of course, you can collaborate with people. You can just share a document uh, by inviting somebody else and the person gets access to the document and changes show up relatively quickly. I tested Workflow with John and it worked okay. So from a collaboration standpoint, it works fine. Um, there are some downsides. Uh, it is primarily a web app. And for that reason, you get the feeling, you know, when you're using an iOS app, but you get, you know, whether it's like the way the text scrolls or the look of, of a menu, you get the feeling that it's like primarily designed to be a web app with its own like design language and interactions. And you get some of that with Workflowy. Um, 
it lacks, you know, it's got an, an iPhone, an iPad app, and the iPad app supports split view, but it lacks a lot of other modern iOS technologies from multi-window to native dark mode to keyboard shortcuts on iPad. So that's a deal breaker for me, as I mentioned before. Um, and it's only it's a text-only uh, type of service. So no images, no other types of attachments. Um, and again, it's meant for outlines. And I could collaborate uh, with John or with you on a, on a document for the show notes. But once again, if it comes down to sh- collaborating on drafts for articles that need to be published on Mac Stories, this is not the, the, the service for it because it, it, it literally creates bullets every time you hit return. So it's not, it's not the service for that. But if you're looking for like collaboration with outlines, it's really solid, especially if you primarily use a Mac and you use the web version. Um, I remembered as I was testing and looking around at these apps that Noto, the third-party note-taking app that you reviewed on Mac Stories, had um, offered in the share sheet a collaborate with others button, like an invite add people feature. And I thought that that feature was going to work like notes, like Apple Notes, where you can invite people and collaborate on a note. And when I saw that, I thought, well, this is going to be great because as, as Ryan noted in, the, in, in his review of the app, Noto has a bunch of uh, announcements for the traditional note-taking experience, whether it's tables or multiple formatting options or different uh, blocks like code blocks or block quotes that you can add within a note. And I thought if I can add people and collaborate with them on this kind of document, this is going to be great for me. The problem is when you invite people um, to a shared note in Noto, because Noto is not using CloudKit yet. I believe the developers are, the developer is working on switching to CloudKit. They were tweeting about it yesterday. But right now, Noto is using iCloud Drive as as a syncing system. And because of that, collaborating with others does not work like Apple Notes or other CloudKit-based apps. When you invite somebody and you generate a link, the link is actually pointing to a file, to a .noto file. And when you tap that link, you're not taking into Noto. Uh, you're taking into the Files app in iCloud Drive. So I shared the link to a Noto note with John. And when John received the link, the link took him to the Files app. And the Files app showed him an empty quick look preview <laughs> because the Files app has no idea what a Noto note is. And I think there must be some kind of bug, right? Because why add a collaboration feature if, if it does nothing? Like the only thing I was able to do with John was to send him a link to a Noto file, but the file shows nothing in the files app for iPhone and iPad. And my interpretation is that maybe this is meant for actually just sharing a file that you need to manually reopen in the app but it's not really real-time collaboration. Uh, Ryan, you're, you're the Noto expert here. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I really thought I'd tested this. Maybe I didn't test this in my review, um, at least not fully. But, I mean, so did John... I assume John had Noto installed, right? 
because if he didn't, then I could see it opening like a blank you know, preview because it, it has no idea what this file is because there's no app that can kind of read it. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, not, I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah, so I was kind of disappointed because I, I was really hoping that I could use Noto uh, for collaborate, collaboration with, with Notes. Now, I once again... Uh, the developer tweeted yesterday about the fact that they are looking to move from iCloud Drive to CloudKit, and in theory, with that, should come a more reliable and faster syncing system, and also the kind of real-time collaboration that we're used to seeing in Apple Notes and other apps. So I'm really looking forward to Noto switching to CloudKit, and we'll follow up on this in the future. Um, now, I browsed the App Store, and I and I requested John's help in terms of like, hey, do you know of any other service, other product that, that I could try for collaborating on text documents? And I took upon you know, myself to take a look around and really find like results from Product Hunt and these other communities where people can share new services and new apps. I want to, I want to mention at least two of them, um, because they, they have a lot of potential, but they don't offer a, a, a good enough iOS experience for me, or at all. Um, the first one is called NotJoy. NotJoy is a single word. Um, now, NotJoy is a collaborative note environment. It's built just for that. Like it's not like a single user note-taking app that is also like a like a collaborative component. It is primarily a collaborative notes app, and it looks really great. And I would consider it, but the iOS app was last updated six months ago. And when I see that, it always it always turns me off because I like. I don't know. It's just, do I want to use a product where the iOS version was updated six months ago? And maybe there's a perfectly valid reason for that. But it, you know, it's typically for me, it's not a good sign. However, I want to say it looks really interesting and it looks really nice. It's the first time that I, that I hear of this app. It kind of looks like a, like a combination of Slack and, and Bear. Like it's got that sort of minimal aesthetic of, Bear, but with the sharing component like the sidebar and the comment panel of Slack, and you can have like this uh, threaded discussions with with teammates, and there's integration with um, Trello and Gmail and Google Drive and a bunch of other services. It looks really interesting, but I don't have a lot of faith in the iOS version based on the release history uh, that I've seen on the App Store. Uh, the other, and this w- would have been a winner for me, if only it offered an iOS app. It's called HackMD. So this is a collaborative markdown. Like this is exactly what we're looking for. This is collaborative markdown service. It can sync back to GitHub. So once again, I was going through the checklist. And I was like, yes, yes. But then it's web only. No iPhone or iPad app. So. Uh, you almost got it, HackMD, but then at the very end, uh, you lost because you don't offer a native app. But 
you know, they have team plans, they have uh, a bunch of additional features and integrations. Once again, collaborative markdown with the ability to sync back to a repo on GitHub, but again, web-only, no mobile app. And lastly, uh, there's lots of other browser-only options along these lines, uh, such as that I want to mention, such as Kodi MD and Stack Edit. So these are uh, also collaborative uh, notepads and like text editors with collaboration features, but they are web-only and they do not offer uh, native apps. So I, I, I am glad that I've done this challenge because it, 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 um, it reinforced the quality of my research from two years ago. Uh, GitHub and Working Copy are still the best system for us. And uh, primarily GitHub, like the idea of having a versioning system behind collaborating on article drafts. I think that's the best solution for us. If I had to switch, I like to answer your question, if I didn't use Working Copy, I would use another uh, GitHub app, but I wouldn't use any of these uh, other products for articles. I would use them for show notes, I would use them for notes, but not for actual stories that we need to edit and publish on the website. Yeah, the absence of Markdown is just really hard to get past. I mean, because another option, which is not not a good iOS, iPadOS citizen, but Google Docs, right, is, is you didn't mention it, but I know that you are well aware of it, and it's, it's kind of the king of text collaboration. And maybe if Google all of a sudden kind of changed and maybe became more Microsoft-like. Microsoft a few years ago decided, hey, we're going to make our iPad apps really great. Uh, we're going to put a lot of effort into them and try to make them almost as powerful, or, you know, close to on par with the desktop versions. And, uh, and they really have done a good job since then. They've done a lot of good work, even though I'm still not a Microsoft Office fan. Um, definitely have, have a lot of respect for Microsoft taking the iPad seriously. And Google Docs just hasn't done that. Um, and even if they did, though, the lack of Markdown would would be hard to deal with. Um, yeah. And then, you know, y- you can see changes, which is great. You can see, you know, when you do it, uh, at least in Safari, not so much in the app, but you'll if you access a shared document, then you'll see kind of, oh, see what's changed since last time. And and so there's there's all those great features, but... There's so much that's missing for, for iPad users. So, yeah, it sounds like I'm glad that we're using the best system. And it's a little disappointing that if if something changed and we weren't able to use that system, that there's no great alternative out there right now. That's always a little scary at times for something that's a, a really important part of how you get your work done. But uh, it is a bit of a niche, right? Markdown text collaboration. Uh, I could see that. So makes sense. Not, not too big a surprise, but disappointing nonetheless. All right, let's go on to some Q&A in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to thank another sponsor. Uh, this episode of Adapt is also brought to you by SaneBox. Getting your inbox to zero is almost impossible these days. We all get a lot of email, and sometimes the important stuff, the, the emails that actually matter, they can get lost. And that is where SaneBox comes in. As messages arrive in your inbox, SaneBox will triage them for you, sorting the important emails, 
separate from the noise. It will put what matters in your inbox. And then all the distracting stuff will go into a sane later folder, which lets you deal with what's important right now and then review everything else when it suits you. SaneBox also has nifty features like the Sane Black Hole, where you can drag messages from annoying senders that you never want to hear from again, and Sane Reminders to notify you if someone hasn't replied to your email by a certain date. Best of all, you can use SaneBox with any email client. So you don't have to give up your favorite email client. You can use SaneBox with whatever client you use, and it will just work. See how SaneBox can work its magic to remove distractions from your inbox by getting a two-week free trial right now. Just visit sanebox.com adapt to start your free trial, and you'll also get a $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X, sanebox.com adapt. Our thanks to SaneBox for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, Federico, we have some questions to answer from our listeners uh, in our Ask Adapt segment. For those listeners who have a question about the iPad, iPad OS, anything that we talk about on the show, just write in on Twitter and use the hashtag Ask Adapt, and we will see those questions and may be able to answer them in a future episode. Our first question today comes from Andrea. Says, I was wondering if you know of any contacts app that has Siri shortcuts integration and syncs in the cloud and possibly mm. has apps for Mac, uh, for web access, and of course, iOS and iPadOS. Mm. So the first app that came to my mind is CardHop, which is by the team at Flexibits, who also created Fantastical. Uh, CardHop checks most of these boxes. Uh, it does have shortcut support. It uses iOS's native contacts database, um, which most contacts apps that I've tried do that. But that means that it syncs, so you don't have to worry about that. It's all handled by iCloud. And then it does have iPad, iPhone, and Mac apps. So you get the full suite of apps across Apple devices. There isn't a web version so you can't access these things via the web. That's kind of the only drawback. But aside from that, CardHop is excellent. I, I love the app. It's a wonderful alternative to Apple's own contacts apps. So I definitely highly recommend that. Um, Federico, do you have any thoughts or recommendations besides CardHop for a contacts app? No, really. I, I don't use any contact apps myself. I just use the regular address book. Okay. Like the regular, yeah, yeah, but... CardHop is really solid, especially if you're looking for shortcut stuff. All right. The next question comes from Amar, who asks, do you think that Apple should use the top empty status bar on the iPad for something more productive? Like maybe notification mm. icons that you see on Android or something else. It seems like a lot of wasted space. And Amar's talking about, you know, at the top of the screen, you've got a couple things, right? You've got things like uh, the date, the time, um, Wi-Fi, battery percentage, but then there's a lot of wasted space up there that developers can't use. And so do we think that Apple should do something with that? It's difficult because, like, yes, I would love to see more information in the status bar. Like, uh, it, it'd be nice to have some kind of um, 
additional indicators for notifications could be one of them, but also like for shortcut stuff, I would love to have like the, the status bar being used as an additional place where I can put information. Uh, the problem is that uh, it can get out of hand really quickly and I don't want to end up with, a, with an Android-like um, scenario where the status bar is full of icons and indicators and things that move around and flash on screen because I think it's really inelegant. Also, like, should it be interactive? Because right now, all that we can do is um, uh, perform swipe actions on the status bar and on iPad, uh, you can... And on the iPhone, you can uh, swipe into different areas to get to Control Center and notifications. But like, should the status bar support touches? And if so, should the status bar be bigger? Because right now, it supports scrolling events because you can just uh, scroll down from one of the top corners of, of the screen. But if you were to support actual taps, uh, all the buttons would have to be bigger, which means the status bar will need to be taller, which means there will be less space for apps. So, yes, but with uh you know responsibly i would say i don't want to have like 50 different icons in the status bar i don't want to i don't want to have a messy notification tray like on android personally yeah i feel the exact same way it's like if apple could find a really you know elegant thoughtful way to use that space then sure but i think it'd be pretty challenging to do especially when you have to account for the fact that if you are working in split view and you have two apps on screen, which I do most of the time, you know, where do certain elements of the status bar go if you've got these two kind of separate app views? Do you have certain things that are, you know, to the left or the right of each app view? Because you can't just center it necessarily because then you've got this weird divide between two apps. Like right now, I'm looking at um, two apps, one that is uh, uh, in a, like a dark mode view that I set inside the app and the others in a light mode view. So half of the screen's black, half the screen's white. I actually do that a lot with different app combinations. And so it really wouldn't work for Apple to just throw something in the middle where, you know, half of the, whatever they put up there is on a dark interface and the other half's in a light. So I think it'd be really challenging to do something. It'd be great if they could, but um, not, not necessarily expecting anything there. So listener Andreas asks, um, can multiple line text replacement creation in iOS and iPadOS settings, is this possible? Uh, so Andreas is referring to the ability to create text replacements in settings, um, in, in the keyboard settings in, in iOS and iPadOS. These are the uh, basic text replacements where you type a shortcut and that shortcut expands into a, a longer line of text. And sadly, Andreas, no, it is not possible to support line breaks, to support uh, multiple lines, because line breaks are removed from settings. I just uh, tested this by pasting a block of text with line breaks in it into the phrase field of, of the text replacement. And as soon as you paste, all the line breaks are removed from, from the system. So they can only be uh, single line text replacements, which is unfortunate because I also would really use uh, something like this, but sadly, no, it is not possible. And finally, Ryan, uh, Rowan wants to know if new iPads come out, come out in March, but don't include 5G, 
Would you ditch your 2018 iPads right away or wait for a silent 5G refresh or buy both? Do either of you even care about 5G on an iPad? And let me go first, Ryan. Um, I wouldn't, like, it wouldn't be a deal breaker if they don't include 5G. I would uh, switch from the 2018 iPad Pro to the new one, even if the new one was 4G only. It is not, for me, a priority at the moment. I only work with my iPad outside of my house like twice a week and so it's important for me to have cellular access but i'm perfectly fine with 4g i don't need 5g at the moment also i don't believe that my uh, service provider on ipad offers a 5g plan anyway and yes they may change if 5g ipads uh come out but again i don't need you know i, I don't need to to do um, network-intensive work on my iPad Pro when I'm not at home. So I would switch to the new 2020 iPad Pro, even if it was 4G only. I think I would go ahead and buy whatever the new iPad Pro is, assuming that it, it has some of the things that we talked about today. If there's a new iPad Pro with a smart keyboard folio that includes a trackpad, I would go ahead and buy that. 5G matters to me, but it's definitely not enough that I would buy a second iPad in the fall if one came out later. Uh, it's definitely not enough that I would hold off six months or however long to wait for it. I mean, LTE is fine for when I need it. Most of the time I'm on Wi-Fi anyways, so it's not a huge deal to me. I, just for the sake of future-proofing, it'd be nice to have 5G, but yeah, I, I don't think I'd hold off at all. All right, so that has been it for Ask Adapt today, which means that it is time for Federico to give me a challenge. What have you got in store for me? So uh, this time of the year in Italy, I've been uh, thinking about taxes and numbers and, you know, uh, reports, which is why, Ryan, I want you once again to go out and explore the App Store and test all kinds of spreadsheets that you can find. So, I mean, Numbers and Google Sheets and Excel are the obvious ones, but I've seen some interesting and different takes on the usual spreadsheet lately. You know, apps that take a different approach to calculating numbers and maybe mix and match text variables and number variables. So, I want to see what are the options for spreadsheets and, you know, different kinds of tables and, and, and number-based documents, uh, if that makes sense, you know, because at this time of the year, a lot of people are thinking about numbers and taxes and that kind of stuff. So what are the, what are the best options for iPad, including the obvious ones? And I want to hear the obvious ones, how they support and modern iPadOS features, the keyboard, all that kind of stuff. So, um, shouldn't be shouldn't be a, a difficult one in the sense of like the, the 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 difficulty of the challenge, but there are a lot of options. So that that's where the real difficulty lies, I guess, in in finding all these different options. Okay, and I'm gonna say up front that I am not a spreadsheet professional. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, well, and I don't. Then it's gonna be difficult. I, for I don't you. expect to become one. I I do know how to do some basic calculations and spreadsheets, but that's about it. 
so yeah, it will be a challenge for me in that sense. Uh, I'll do what I can, but uh, mostly I'll be gathering information and, and sharing it with listeners. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what's out there. All right, this has been episode twenty of Adapt. I want to thank our sponsors for this episode: Text Expander and Sanebox. If you'd like to find the show notes for today, you can visit our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 20, or just open the podcast app that you're listening in right now. And to follow us online, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici, that's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me on Twitter as at Iryan, T-L-D-R, that's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And we're both writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye. Thank you.